Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host, Patrick, from Pull String Press for this great studio. Good morning, Patrick. Hi, Mark. How are you? <laughs> I'm excellent. I'm excellent in every way. I, uh, I'm, it's good. It's sunny outside. There's no rain today. And... Uh, and I had yogurt smeared all the way across me by my 18-month-old daughter this morning, and I changed my sweater, and I feel very good. Everybody on the show loves your daughter. She's great. She's the best. And we have a uh, we have two guests. Um, we have a guest host, excellent, uh, Kimberly Harriman, who is getting her degree from Antioch mm-hmm. uh, here in Santa Barbara in clinical psychology, and uh, I invited her because her field of study is on the psychology of play, which we'll explain in just a second as I introduce you to our guest, Will Bellamy, who has a startup with a game called Murder Happens. And I thought we'd talk about your business and I'd talk about play and the psychology of it and all of that. And it just kind of hit yesterday afternoon getting ready for our conversation, I thought, who would have some other interesting questions? And we'd had a back and forth. And this is the first time, dear listener, that we've had a uh, a guest host expert to ask I've questions. Been, I've been begging you to bring one on for years. Yes. Literally years. L- literally years. Literally years. As we creep up on our 200th episode. You keep saying that, but I think it was 15 episodes ago. It, no, it, no, it was, but no yeah. one's busted me. So okay. All right. Will, cool. welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? Good to be here. I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm good. How's, how's your business going? I think you're pre-launch. Is that right? Uh, no. Launch. Your launch. Yeah. Uh, but it's going slow. Okay. It's a slow start. I didn't really have any money to put behind it. So, you mean like all the other entrepreneurs. Out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I spent a lot of time developing five of the games and getting them ready for market and then printing them, a very low number. And then I've put them on the market via a web page. And they're also in Etsy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's been just a matter of social media marketing, which is slow and go. You know, it doesn't happen all of a so, sudden. So tell our listener about the game. So these games are, they're called a murder mystery party game. And uh, my particular games are, are eight characters. You can actually okay. have more people playing up to about 12 is comfortable. Do they just play the same character over and over again? No. <laughs> like two, two Colonel Mustards? Or <laughs> no, this game is plays one time. Okay. It's like reading oh. a book. Once you've read the book, you've read the book. Right. Oh. So or you have to get a new group of eight. Uh, yes, that would also work. Right. Put it on the, yeah, there, there you go. That's a good idea. Yeah. So, I'm just um, figuring out how to get recurring <laughs> sales for you. So. Well, uh, you buy the next... Next title. Got it. So you get eight people together. Each one plays a character that's in the story. Each character has a history and things they've done and things they've seen. And one of them is the murderer. And then there's the victim. And so by using uh, clues, interviewing other characters, looking at the map, reading the police report, discussing things with other people, you eventually come down to the point where you think you know who the murderer is and then everybody has to vote 
on mm. who the murderer is. And if the vote is the majority of the people guess the correct murderer, then everybody wins. And if the murderer gets everybody derailed through the whole game and they vote incorrectly, then the murderer wins. The, the mm. murder, so the murderer knows they're the murderer the whole time? From the very beginning, yes. And so they're clearly trying to throw the red herrings exactly. out and throw it onto other people. Exactly. Okay. Where'd you get the idea to do this? So these games are not new. They've been around for a long time. Uh, and I started out a long time ago. I played some of these games with some friends and they were fun, but I thought that there was a lot of interesting things missing from the games oh. that, that, that were being written. And so, uh, first of all, being... I thought that the story should be more serious. There should be some real characters, some real depth, some real interesting interaction. The games that were out there at the time were kind of more, here's some comical two-dimensional characters, and uh, right. they're doing goofy things, they have goofy names, and, and it's funny, but it wasn't very deep. I didn't think it really you know, addressed any human issues or stuff like that. And so that's what I decided to change on mine, was to write the story. But there was also some technical details. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, in the older games, they would break it down into scenes. And so scene one, you'd open your envelope, here's some evidence. So you're always kind of strapped into the seat with these scenes. You couldn't just, hey, I know where I want to go. I want to go explore here. I want to go explore there. Well, you couldn't. You were strapped to the scenes. And then the second thing was that they had this unrealistic rule, and the rule was that you can't lie. Oh, wait, What? Yeah, but here we are. It's a mur- it. Exactly. Yeah. It's a murder mystery, There's right? There's got to be at least one liar in the room. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, s- and so you go to... That was, actually, that was a rule? That was the rule. So, s- you'd pick so if I out said, a- are you the murderer? Because it would you fall apart. Say no. Say yes. no, you could say no if you're the murderer. Huh. Really? Uh. Yeah, but the problem... You could. But the problem was that you... Let's say you're not the murderer. You open the scene and you go... Uh, on Friday evening, you were wearing a dinner jacket, and you saw so-and-so sneaking through the window. And so somebody would ask you, go, did you see so-and-so sneaking through the window? And you're thinking, well, you didn't ask if I was wearing a dinner jacket, so I'll just say no. It's mm. totally throwing off, the, which is unrealistic. So I thought, I'm going to write my game so people can just lie through their teeth. In fact, I'm going to encourage it. In fact, psychologically, I'm going to coerce them yes. into telling a lie in the beginning and sticking with it till they have to. Okay, mm. pre-doctorate doctor. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> he just said the psychology. So he's actually des- he designed mm. this to mess with them. What do you think of that? I think it's fantastic. Coming from an improv background, then absolutely. This is all about fun. This is getting us into a world where we can play with our different realities, how to solve problems, how do you get around. That's That's the basis of play in general is testing out a world and finding new ways of solving it and that's exactly what you're doing there you're encouraging the play you're encouraging you are encouraging these participants to try out whatever they might want to try to get to the end result and there isn't a box that you're putting them in right i love it yeah that's what uh last game that um i monitored that's one of the points that one of the people made after the game. Mm-hmm. He says it's a it's a blank canvas. Right. How do you, so? But you wouldn't normally have to like you were monitoring for, for research and development. There doesn't normally there's doesn't have to be like a referee. No, there. Right. No, in fact, when I monitor it, it's just I'm just taking notes mm-hmm. so that when I write further games, you can fine tune. I can figure out what's working, what's not working. 
um, if there's mistakes in the game, stuff like that. How do you can? Is it the kind of thing where you can just um, uh, reduce the number of players, or do you have to have the full eight to, to get the uh, experience? It really works with eight people. Uh, you can do it with six, but I wouldn't recommend it. But here's what I say, because people ask right, me that yeah, yeah, all figured. the time. Yeah. They say, well, I don't have eight friends. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's go, a different if you put problem. on this game, you will yeah. have eight friends at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Just I grab see. people off the street. Well, if you have mm-hmm. two friends, I'm sure they have some friends. Have them invite friends, exactly. right? Yeah. Or maybe it could be like a Tinder app. A murder mystery app? <laughs> where we could just like, no, 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 no. Don't give me any new ideas. I'm just saying, start you need spinning to out start, of control. Just start over, go back, and just <laughs> spend another three years to do um, it. I love that. Then you can invite people to play. It's a, a play date. Yeah, you yeah. Know, to a murder party. Oh. To a murder you know, I should party. add that as an element. That's not a bad idea. Okay, I'm happy oh, to help. Show so is that copyrighted? No, it's okay. if it's free. No, every, free, <laughs> for you. free Everything for you. that happens on this show, and we have done is, this is many, 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 many times, because we get ideas, right? Yeah part of the show and I think for the joy of the listeners is they they have ideas as well so it's for us to kind of channel that and hear your story because that there's a universal nature to the story of having an idea right. seeing a gap in the market figuring out I've got a better mousetrap and then how do you go about it that's what we those are the kind of conversations that are enjoyable to us yeah. to, to figure out what was the biggest you know well, what was the biggest surprise so far for you the biggest surprise. Uh, well, first of all, this is kind of a positive in terms of just designing the games. When I first started writing them, I had this as a list of ideas. And I was kind of surprised at how accurately each one applied. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I told you, they, uh, I mean, I'm probably giving away a little bit of the game here, but um, in the beginning, each character reads a witness statement. So they've talked to the police. The police like, what were you doing? And they have a witness statement. And in this witness statement, they lie. Mm. So I'm, the rule is you read your witness statement out loud. Now you've read it. And what I've discovered is if you get a person to speak a lie, mm. they will then hew to that lie they adopt it, to yeah. the better end. Yeah, I mean, huh. they will fight to not tell it. And um, well, you've I, given them permission to be naughty, or permission to be exactly. the to be the. Mm. You know, in life we spend all this time trying to rise to a nobility, but like, but it's really fun to play the bad guy and be yeah. allowed to and be told be sure to be you know shifty. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Kimberly. What this? He just said it's fun to be the bad guy. I, well, have you studied that? I have not studied that, but just in general. It is giving permission to be somebody that you're not or somebody that you're not supposed to be what you were speaking about. Um, And that's that's fun. That's interesting. And that brings out a whole different joy inside. Right. Yeah. It's uh, like improv. I'm I'm thinking we just we just did a workshop for a week and we had um, we had five people and we did this one exercise where they had to do some things, sit in a chair, stand, talk. And uh, their character attributes mm-hmm. of who they were, their baseline character, were written down by mm-hmm. the by the everybody else watching. Then uh, our host, um, Kimberly, my my Kimberly, uh, wrote the opposite of all those traits. And the next day, gave that card to each person, and they had to be the opposite of all those traits, just to help give them range. Right, because we're teaching speakers how to speak. Yeah. So how do how do you have range? And it was so fun, and they had never done anything like that before. 
So how do you find people who don't, let's, I'm going to guess, don't have improv backgrounds or acting backgrounds, <laughs> but they're just civilians. Now, now you have to be the, the matron or you've got to be the wily detective or whoever that is. Are you saying like, are, can anybody step into this? Yeah, like that's, anybody that's, that's my, my thing. Yeah, that comes up all the time. People say, I'm not an actor, and then they feel intimidated, like, I can't play this game. I right. can't act this character out. So how do you get over that? You don't – I always say, and it's in on my stuff, uh, you don't have to be an actor because mm -hmm. I've written it in such a way that as you go, you will begin to be this character simply because of the things you've done and said in the game. Mm -hmm. And it kind of just works out that way. So – if they uh, give over to the situation, they are just going to be carried on the current. If they are just reading, if they have a narrative that says what they've done and said, it also has a little bit of a, about their own psychology, a little bit of, of, of a bio. Uh. If they just read that and start saying, well, yeah, I did this. Well, well I do that. And, the, and just in the act of saying, yeah, I've done such and such a thing, they begin to kind of take on that persona. It really kind of works like magic, and it's kind of <laughs> crazy in a way. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. expect it to be so... Uh, you know, straightforward as that. But that's exactly what it is. You give them a line, they speak it, and they start acting. Who are you? Who are you building your? So, like, you've got your list of eight characters, and they're yeah. all distinct. They're all different right. from each other. Who are, are you building those off? Like, I, I, I imagine you going through the news and being like, "Oh, here's an interesting," and plucking people. Well, just what? Like plucking people. <laughs> no, from, the Uber driver. Oh, you pulled him <laughs> in. Okay, all right. Everybody I talk to, I'm not kidding you. Everybody I talk to. They start saying things. I'm like, uh, I'm going to use that. Is that okay? Is it like every room you walk into? Like, every, are we going to turn yes. into a murder uh -oh. mystery Absolutely. podcast? Oh, All right, yes, there we go. Will. Okay, great. I'm Mur not kidding you. It's just like crazy. On the pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my first, first of all, you know, compared to the first murder mysteries I played with these people, these kind of weird, mm -hmm. kind of abstract characters or kind of like cartoons or whatever, I wanted to reach deep and kind of find something realistic. And I realized that people around me were just filled with all this potential. In fact, it's just overwhelming to me because now I have so many stories I want to write. Mm. I can't even sort it all out in my mind. But, you know, it's like I was riding with an Uber driver and I was telling him about the games. And then he started thinking about something. He goes, oh, he goes, you know, somebody stole my identity. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. And I go, how'd you find out? And he goes, well, my, uh, what do you call that score that you get when you have good... Like your credit score? Credit score was higher than it's ever been before. Oh. <laughs> So this person stole their identity, took out some loans, started paying them back. Bumped up the credit. <laughs> Bumped up this wow. guy's credit. He had to look into, why is my credit going Reverse up? identity? Like you, an identity you angel? Can't, you can't make you this can't up. You can't make that up, right? No, no freaking way. <laughs> so um, I'm thinking about these kinds of murder mysteries where you go to a venue and a murder happens, mm -hmm. right? So there's one called The Dinner Detective, which is a franchise. Right. You're familiar with that. I've actually done them. You mm -hmm. have? Yeah. How so, do you, how so do you, you like them? Do you I like it? those. I mean, I like all this stuff. I like the games I played initially. Uh, it's all really interesting to me. Did you grow up on Agatha Christie and all those? No, see, now here, that's an interesting question that you bring up Agatha Christie because, well, first of all, when I was a kid, I read... Uh, uh, continuously. I read like two or three books a week mm -hmm. all the way until I had kids. So um, when I played this game, the other thing I didn't like about the original games I played was that the solution to the puzzle was so outlandish and unexpected. And I thought, that's disappointing. Because you couldn't have gotten mm. it. I could never have gotten it. It's just yeah. It came out of the blue. It came out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. And so I'm kind of 
that's why I don't like Agatha Christie that much. And I know I'm kind of like, for murder mystery people, I'm really. You're, you're, that's, that's the okay. Mount, she's on the Mount Speaking Rushmore of church, murder. But, yeah, yeah. But um, I'm, you know, I'm more of the. Uh, uh, see, this interview thing is making me lose my train of thought. That's Who's the guy right. that wrote the birds? Um, Alfred, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah. Alfred Hitchcock said, uh, "Terror is not like." A monster suddenly jumping around the corner and scaring you. Terror mm-hmm. is when you hear the footsteps coming and you mm-hmm. know who it is mm-hmm. and you know what it is. But you realize there's no escaping it and the steps are dick, dick, mm-hmm. dick like that. Impressive. That's the building of suspense and terror. So in my games, it's the same thing. Nobody is ever like, oh, I would have never thought it was that person. They're always like, darn, I knew it was that person. I just didn't quite get it all together, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Because in these games, you also have to get everybody else to vote with you. So not only do you just guess who the character oh, is, so you have to be you political. You have to bring people along logically. I don't know about political. Well, this is about logic. Is, it, polit- politics <laughs> is just the, the persuasion of other people. Yeah. Right? No, in so that sense, exactly. So when you're being exactly. politic. It is, right? definitely. So there, there is something about you're trying, as you said, bring them over to your exactly. side. So is it? So it's not like one person can win. You all have to win. Yes. So to talk about that for a second, what what caused you to make that? That it's a pretty fundamental decision in gameplay. Um, it's not natural in my tendency because I mean I've always designed games for a long time. I've designed different kinds of games and stuff. Uh. But just in the formulation of the stories and um, exploring the psychology between people, mm-hmm. it's kind of a group effort, you know. Um, you hide something from somebody, and then they kind of tease it out. And then at some point, two people agree that they'll, okay, I'll admit it. And uh, so I didn't start out with that intention. It's just as the game was evolving and I was writing and I'm realizing um, well, how do you win the game? And I go, well, everybody's working on this solution. And everybody has ideas and everything. And the murderer, like in real life, the murderer fools everybody. doesn't just fool the one person. So it just it kind of evolved that way. I didn't have a philosophical point of view when I did it. It just kind of evolved there. You're, so you're an architect of murder. <laughs> oh, wow. So, well, now. Wow. Yeah. So you're an art. Don't come on, <laughs> come was, on. It's no, just two I just, words. I just put was, two words. Sorry, sorry. I'm that's just at my desk noodling. Yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's a t-shirt. Well, but the uh, the architect of murder becomes this because they're not the person who executes the murder. They're not the person who. They're just you're designing a murder. Right. And I so I'm fascinated to know like like what are the murders that that are interesting to you because because there's a there's a difference between like oh I I can't even hear about that murder like that is a, that is not you know like that's not an entertaining murder. And, you know, there's all these shows on, especially the British ones that I love, are, are they're always killing people, but in very interesting ways. You know, the person is dying in a yeah. very unusual and interesting way. It can't just be like, well, they opened the door and I shot them. You know, that's <sighs> nobody cares, you know. So what? <laughs> so as you're designing, what are the murders that you get attracted to? But then also, are there ones that you've just edited out and you're like, oh, we can't. That's can't not going to go be. There. Nobody's going to be engaged by that. Yeah. So when I'm writing these stories... Um, I seldom spend much time thinking about the murder at all. It's how the... <clears throat> it's everybody's involvement in it that's interesting to me. So <clears throat> the murders themselves are usually pretty banal. And they come at the end of a 2 plus 3 minus 4 equals... Actually, I can't do that in my mind, but whatever <laughs> that comes out to. <laughs> it's the answer is 3. It's morning. 3. Uh, 
so, uh, in fact, to solve the murder, you eventually have to get out of your emotional space and get into your logical space. Mm. And this physically happens in the game. And uh, so the, the, to answer your question directly, the, the way they're murdered is usually not very interesting. What's more interesting is what the people were doing as the murder was happening. Because they're still here. There's still a story to tell about that. Right, because yeah. they're, all, they're all suspects. So they were in the vicinity in some manner. And so that's... So the murder drifts into this kind of quiet place where it's really about, it's about everybody around. Right. So, uh, and I tried different things like um, the murderer, uh, the killer was actually the person killed. That can happen. Hmm. The uh, or they were overcome by who they thought was going to be the victim, and they end up becoming the victim. Or the person who did the killing actually did it by mistake. So it's but is so okay. So here's another question, maybe to clear up some logistics: Is the murder does the murder happen to one of the people that is in the party? Or yeah. Oh, okay. Brain blown. Okay. Oh no no. I'm sorry. I just realized. Sorry, I jumped ahead there. Yeah. No, the the murder victim is not played because they're dead. Right. It's oh, right. Okay, right. They've okay. they've you've arrived to the party and there has been a murder. Right. Right. Uh, everybody though is a suspect that's playing. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And there are additional characters that can join in, but they're not suspects. Huh. But the thing about the murder suspect is they have a narrative also, so they have a whole interaction with everybody else. They have a whole story. It's not just here's this dead so, person. Uh, so let me. Is it a script that they read? Because when you say they all they have a story, so I'm I'm going to go back to my improv roots versus a play where I've got to recite lines. Mm -hmm. Where is where does this live in between that? Right. So uh, everybody has what I call a narrative. Right. The narrative is a story. Sure. It's not a script. So uh, you were walking down the street one day and bus pulled out and you almost got hit. And then your friend laughed at you, that kind of a thing. Right. So, is so it how many pages are they getting to uh, review? So I have, that's part of the formula. So I kind of, first couple of games I'm watching how much attention span people have. How sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, play. Yeah, so there's, yeah. uh, so I have, when I start out, I have a little form I've created. 950 words narrative, 150 word intro, mm. like that. Everything has a number of words. And then I have to, when I'm writing it, I, I write this big sprawling story and I start having to slice stuff off until it fits into these. And so I end up having to write these compact narratives. The narratives are like uh, 110 mile an hour narratives. When you're reading mm. it, you got to like read it again because so much is packed Pretty in dense, there. yeah. Yeah, it's real mm. dense. What's the average length of a game? Two and a half hours. So uh, that's the way I designed it. I designed it to last two and a half hours. Why is that? Uh, so people have some time. That's it's an at, evening. It's an evening. It's like you go to a movie. You get in the car. You talk on the way to the movie. You sit down through the movie. You get in the car. Talk about the movie on the way home. That takes about two and a half hours. So it's kind of people's general attention span. Do They're people tend go. to do this around a dinner? Uh, sometimes they do, but it works better if it's around snacks because people really <laughs> want to focus. <laughs> if you have dinner, I mean, all the food ends up sitting there getting cold and they're like, <laughs> you know, grinding away at this. Well, if they have full bellies, they're not going to want to talk about murder. No. It's just, they just want to, you know, it's lazy. 
so Kimberly, what, what, I'm curious about what you, what you will have learned about play because you dropped earlier. You've been designing games for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is not your first at bat. No. Talk talk about what you've learned about play because I want to I want to hear I want Kimberly to hear that. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it's mysterious what engages people. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people design games and then give it to people and nobody wants to play it. And that those elements that draw people in, that's very mysterious. But a social game like this is almost a cheat because it's, it's a winner outside, out of the box. As long as you right. focus on um, creating a situation where everybody can interact mm-hmm. with each other. And so if you write the story and they just figure it out, then it's not interesting. So, like on these games, have you had that happen? <laughs> <laughs> what? Have you been sitting in the corner taking notes, and somebody just goes, "It's clear he did it. Why are we? Let's eat." Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so actually, I'm I'm really interested in the psychological part of it, the interplay between mm-hmm. people. It sounds like it. Uh, when I write it, I write um, make this person hateful, make them attractive. It. And like uh, I'm writing some ones right now, like a game I'm writing right now, which might turn out to be my best one. Uh, I start out with ideas. Mm-hmm. And then when I write the story, I try to write around these ideas. Mm-hmm. So this one idea I have, clinging to the thing you hate. Mm. Mm. Uh, the inevitable, attra- uh, inevitable, it's the attraction creates uh, uh, interaction. Mm. So you're attracted to something, and inevitably, even if you try to avoid it, you're going to end up interacting with mm-hmm. that thing you're attracted to. So I use kind of ideas like that thematically. But then um, I try to make each character has a conflict with all the other characters. So you've been lying to this person. You've been doing something illegal with that person. You've been making fun of that person behind their back. So I try to use the psychology of this is what I do every day. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's kind of like packed into a game with a kind of like a goal. <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, and the thing is to like set up those situations and then let them do it on their own mm. as opposed to a script. So you, you, you're creating this environment. You're giving the bio or this background information that can be used and then they embellish upon it as they get into their character, totally. as they adopt who they are. And yeah. it comes alive in the room and it's that interesting that push pull between the two people or however many people um that that background information it's it's why do we want to be together do i hate you or do i love you exactly Mm -hmm. and can that change Mm -hmm. right now and did i not know something and oh my gosh this shifts it so now i loved you when i used to hate you and and the development of the relationship actually you just made me realize something (laughs) that'll happen uh (laughs) I'm realizing that that relationship starts out in the beginning of the game kind of laid out. Mm. Like you're giving, you're, you're presenting them with like, right. this is the, this relationship you're going to have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then it progresses and it kind of hits a place where it kind of plateaus. Mm-hmm. But then there's the murder and the murder forces a reevaluation of those relationships and that happens in these games mm-hmm. i guess i'm just now suddenly realizing that i didn't really write for that but i'm realizing that's what happens mm-hmm. we we have this um game in improv 
that is uh, designed to help people figure out how to establish a seam very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's called a three-line drill. And so I would say something, and then Kimberly would react to that, and then I react to her reaction, right. and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And then the coach or the director will say, who were you to one another? We would have had to establish that. What did you want from each other? And did you love or hate the other person? Yeah. So mm-hmm. figure out how to do that in three lines. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So we so that that's established quickly, then you can play, mm-hmm. right? So you, we learn how to do that quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you give them that basis, that yeah. foundation, and then have you seen them go wildly off the rails? No, it's kind of disappointing in a way. Because <laughs> I visualize these people. Here's what I want them to do. And then I write it down, and then they do it. They I'm play like, nice. Everybody plays nice. Yeah. Well, I think because uh, the fact that they're trying to solve something, I think keeps people on the rails. Because ultimately, the goal is to figure out who the murderer is. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of reading through these character descriptions, and they kind of become these characters because they're driving forward trying to find out who the murderer is, there's not really this room for thought of, hey, what if I take this character in a different direction? You know, <laughs> it doesn't no. really happen. They're so. too busy. They're too busy with the initial question. I we have a, a six-year-old nephew who is was was very loud, but then if you put a puzzle in front of him, yeah. he would just zero in, and we're just like, how? Did, what is going on? Like <laughs> it was just like mm. there was this ability for him to drop into mm-hmm. that place of play. Absolutely, yeah. it's it's that gaining that focus, and that's one of the benefits of play for children, it helps to develop that self-regulatory process where Mm. internally you can regulate who you are, what you are, what you're experiencing in your world. You can use it to get away from any external stimuli that's a little bit too much. So it's, it's play is critical for development. Do you think it's critical for adults? Absolutely. There is so much research on how play done as children can help develop the adult to be a more adaptive adult. But then as an adult, play is used with improv, um, with writing, um, with doing something like a podcast. It is a way to let your mind go and for you to experience the world in a whole different way. And it's it's kind of like sleep. We don't really know 100% what it's for, but it's something that is regenerative and it helps us to... Uh, navigate our world better and differently. It is it is essential function. If it wasn't an essential function, then we wouldn't be playing. It would be evolutionary, evolutionarily. It would have drifted dismissed. away already. Right. Yeah. It's it's something that there there's a benefit, and we're doing it. And you'll see that in animals across the spectrum. So there's lots of research on otters and gorillas, and play is really essential to their survival, and you will see that with adults. Hmm. Organized sports, that's something that is a form of play um, where you're able to look at somebody that you're playing on the pitch with and then say, okay, well, I know what this guy is going to do based on his physical appearance, how his face looks, and then try to counteract that. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's really interesting to think about this play, uh, freeing up the space, freeing up the mind, so then you can just drop in and not have so many rules like with improv or with doing organized sports. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, right now board games are really hot. Yes, they are. Very hot. And um, social games especially. Mm-hmm. And I think that's reflection of what you're talking about. I think people are playing on in computer games and 
for a long time and they were getting isolated mm -hmm. and people are just are demanding that social interaction because it's part of your development as a person. Yeah. But I'm not even so sure it might not be similar to like when they put somebody in a soundproof room, you know, and they start going psychotic. Oh. You heard of those studies? Sensory deprivation. Like, yeah, we, sensory deprivation. Mark and, I have, Mark and I have been doing that study for the last four years. Oh, exactly. In this okay. room right here. Uh -huh. I was looking around at it and started getting kind of freaked out. I so you're so, you're, so continue that. So the deprivation of play is harmful to the psychology. Absolutely, and there's uh, <laughs> there was actually a quite an extensive study that looked at inmates who were convicted for murder, and they did a play research where they went back and they asked what was their play of choice as a child, and a deprivation of play was directly linked. I'm going to say uh, its correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation, but it's there. There was a strong support for those that had a lack of play as a child would become. Um, a killer. And mm. coincidentally, we now have a game about killers. Correct. Uh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how was your play as a child? Uh, intense and very imaginative. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? Uh, Tacoma, Washington. I love Tacoma. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with Washington Tacoma? in the house. R Ridgefield, Washington. We're, oh, uh, Just a okay. couple, couple hours south, two hours right. south. Yeah. So that's a whole different ball game well we're the same that we're on the wet side yeah yeah but the tacoma is a very weird town tacoma is a tacoma is a very weird town. i spent a lot of time going up there to tacoma but oh, did you it's emerged it's it's turned into a nice brewery that's what they say have you been back lately uh yeah and i was curious as to whether my childhood memories of tacoma were as uh intense and weird as i thought they were and so i i'm sure i started I'm sure looking up tacoma on the internet and the first thing you say is we have improved over the last 10 years <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. to let okay. you know no that's true yeah i remember <laughs> Tacoma in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s, and well, it, was, it was pretty uh, interesting. Yeah, if you go further back even, it yeah. was like, here's the interesting thing. There's a lot of open land in areas yeah. around Tacoma, and uh, so I lived on a little farm right in the middle of town next to a bunch of berry fields, mm. and I had a horse and chickens. And inside, inside city limits inside of, of city Tacoma. Inside city limits of Tacoma mm -hmm. on mm. a two acres of land in a barn and hay and cows and... Mm -hmm. I would cross the dairy and go into an urban war zone yeah. where there was constant racial strife and fighting and knifings and drug addiction and everything else. And I'm like, my two worlds that I lived in were clashed mm. every single day. And so play so, was very important. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. But uh, it was just a weird upbringing, I guess. So it's a, and I finally found out later on that that area that we lived on in is in the sound apron behind McCord Air Force Base. Oh, okay. So nobody wanted to live there. Hmm. So there's a bunch of open area where the planes would. And I remember when I was a kid, it's kind of like that uh, Woody Allen movie where they lived under the roller coaster. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, the, it looked like the wheels were going to hit our house and the planes were landing. <laughs> and, like that was constantly all day long, all day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. What's been the biggest challenge with this business for you? With the business? Uh, so when I started out, I guess most business people think it's going to be easy. Yeah, I've style. got this great thing. Everybody's <laughs> going to need it. It's got a billion-dollar addressable market. Yeah. Uh, so, and considering how many false starts I've had, I don't know why I was surprised, but mm, I was yeah. surprised at how, um, how, how uh, dense the veil is between you and success. It sounds like a murder architect speaking. <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. Dins so the veils. 
So it's kind of like, what do you do exactly to make this business succeed? And I thought that was going to be an easier answer. I thought I just had to work hard at it. Mm. So first of all, I had to come to the reality that I was going to have no money whatsoever. And so that was that changes everything. And so I said, well, I'll just go social media. Of course, I had not done much social media. So then I go on to social media, and I'm realizing some of the stuff's not working at all. Most of it's not working. And so <clears throat> I've been kind of just grinding away at the social media. And every time, every now and then I put something out there and I get a bunch of followers. Then I put something else out there and everybody just ignores it entirely. And then I get an order or two on the phone or I get an order or two through Etsy or something like that. And then, so I'm slowly getting an idea of what I have to do with the social media, but it was not obvious in the beginning and no amount of YouTube tutorials or anything <laughs> came even close to helping me understand exactly how I have to get this thing in front of the people I wanted to see it so that they would buy it. Do you think that, that social media has kind of turned into this mythical thing that, that is everybody just says, oh, well, just turn to social media and you'll, you'll, your business is, you know, will just will flourish. And it, it just seems like, like the further we get into social media, the less, li the, the less that that is a reality and the more that that is the unicorn or that is the, you know, the, the rarity. Yeah, uh, everything in life is like that. <laughs> Not as advertised. That's, our, that's yeah. our second T-shirt. The um, the deal with social media is that it used to be that way. It started that way. There okay, was a moment. It used to be that way that you could organically grow it. Now yeah. you have to grind and work and pay. Yeah. You, you, there's no organic reach doesn't exist anymore. I mean, even the people who you've heard it know and now. love you, you know, you're going to get two likes or you're going right. to do something. Yeah. Um, I found just. Just my experience, because I do another show for uh, TEDx organizers, mm. and uh, I'll put the show out there, and I'll post it in all the obvious places the show should be posted, and eh, it's meh, you know, it's, yeah. lu it's lukewarm. I spend 20 bucks, I spend 20 bucks over 10 days, and I will more than 10x the reach. Mm. Wow. More than 10x the reach. Through and it's Through Facebook, Facebook ads. And, and it's only, and I, that's my budget. It's 20 bucks. Yeah. And I just see, how do I do? And I'll go from 100 people seeing it to 3,800 people seeing it. Wow. And you start to learn about um, your target audience and how to figure out the demographic. Like, what is the age of the person who plays the game? Where is the chances of where they live? What are the kinds of jobs that they might have? These are all questions you ask when you that are asked of you right. when you set up the Facebook ad. Right. And twenty bucks, I can spend twenty bucks. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm not going to make. I don't make any money on that show, so yeah. I don't invest a lot. But it has it has quadrupled the reach right off the bat. So I started out with some Facebook ads. They didn't really. I didn't get any leads off it, although I got a lot of hits. Um, well, I've got. I think I've got a question. Okay. Do you do you love the the building of the, the those stories? Love the writing of these stories? Absolutely, yeah. That's what continues that's to drive where you. Because yeah. the the social media thing, that's that's almost that seems like that's the burden. That's the water. Yes, that yeah. Is. In yeah. fact, what I've been doing is actively looking for a partner. Right, because you want to be the creative who just generates the content, yeah. and then and then somebody else figures yeah. out how to package. Exactly. Well, so someone who's listening. That's an advertisement. It yeah. is. Yeah. That's a yeah. I post things in on uh, LinkedIn, and I'm saying I need somebody who's 
But it's a kind of a business. It's a certain kind of business. Will, how does somebody get in touch with you? Uh, they can uh, contact me at will at murderhappens.com. Nice. And there That's you go, right pretty, there. That's pretty easy. There, there are lots of places. There's cofounders.com, which is a place you can go and look for co-founders. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of resources like that. There are plenty of uh, venture competitions in the region, nine mm -hmm. of them to be specific, startup weekends, things like that, that you might you know, poke your head into. Um, our sponsors of the show, California Lutheran University, has a deal at the Hub 101 down in, in uh, Westlake. I love when we meet we meet a business person from one of the hubs or the impact you know the impact over the 101 and there's just kind of this moment where it's like I've got all of these like technologies but I don't have good content right <laughs> they're right. just hungry no, exactly. for like for somebody because they're because they're usually and yep. this is no offense to those that we've met they're usually 24 right and they're just right. fresh out of and they're fresh and they're crisp right. but they haven't lived in uh, on a farm in, in the middle of the city of Tacoma <laughs> you know watching watching like did that guy just get stabbed yeah. I think he was stabbed I should write that down. <laughs> actually, I know what you're alluding to, and that's actually been part of my story, too, is that at this age, yeah. launching a new business, although Bold I'm breath. seeing CEOs start big corporations at 65 or mm -hmm. 70, so I hold guess it. it's not hold such it. a big hold deal. Hold it. I'm, we're not ageists here. <laughs> yeah. I'm I know. 65, and I'm on Act 3. So exactly, you know, exactly. Um, well, that was loomed big when I first started out, because I was thinking, am I crazy? Like, Do I even want to put my picture on anything? Oh, you know? I hope you are. I hope you're crazy. Crazy is the only thing that's going to survive. <laughs> yeah. Being sane just keeps you working, grinding yeah. something out. Yeah. Will, I, w I want to thank you for being on the show and, and wish you the best of luck. And Kimberly, thank you. Dude, just We added a whole other layer here. We may do this again. Um, our listener knows that it's at this point in the show where um, I give you the opportunity to put a title on this show because let's get back to the Internet for a second. We want to have SEO find you know someone who's looking for a murder games mm -hmm. or murders that this will come up as a show and they'll get to listen to this and they'll go oh murder happened so that sounds great by the way i love the brand the the brand name is great thank you um and that that's that's kind of these days it's all about getting the url and the brand and the hashtag we got lucky on that it's a whole story in and of itself no doubt <laughs> so you get first dibs on what and you're a writer so what are we going to call this episode Wait a minute. This is about business? I was just in the middle of writing a murder mystery. Uh, hmm. I, th I thought you would just call it Murder Happens. I, well, that or was, the business that Murder what, Happens. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do. I mean, give it, you know, plug the brand. That's exactly what I'm going to okay, do. You we don't want to go Murder Architecture? <laughs> murder yeah, Architecture. Yeah, Architect and no, Murder. No, I kind of like that. No. I might get a call from the FBI on that one. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> That no, would be that I, would be the perfect setup. Like, man starts this company about murder. Turns oh. out, <laughs> he has well, no employees left. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what might be interesting is he gets a job writing screenplays for some web series on murders. Uh, I movie, mean, there's a million plays. <laughs> it's all says the guy who works for it's a director. All, it's all in the live action plays. We all we're dying for this market. This market. <laughs> we're dying for connection. Oh, dying for connection. <laughs> yeah. Just Jeez. say say your thing, Mark. Come oh on, my finish God. it up. Thank you. So thanks so much for being on the show. Um, and I want to uh, also thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, and our podcasting partner, Polstring Press. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, Mark. Um, 
people are talking about doing their own podcast. Hey, guess what? We know how to do that. Come talk to us. We'll uh, we'll figure out how to build a podcast for you. Uh, we'll hand it to you. All you have to do is create the content. You be the person who's the thinker and the speaker and the talker. Uh, we'll be the people who plummet into the internet so that it's permanently on record so that people can find your podcast, hear your ideas, and think lovely thoughts about you and send you Christmas cards. If that sounds interesting to you, drop me a note, mark at 805connect.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you also if you have ideas for guests. Uh, we, I mean, this show is just packed with ideas from people who've dropped us a note. Here's an interesting person I met at a cocktail party or over coffee. I would love to meet them as well. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. 